Hello, you're listening to Sarah Archer in episode 171 of the Speaking Club podcast. As a nation, England has a pretty bad blame culture going on. You've just got to look at the COVID variants. We've had Brazilian, South African and Indian. But instead of taking collective responsibility in this country, we blamed our one on Kent. I started this podcast for two reasons, because I want to help people recognize the power of stories and humor in speaking, and because I believe it's your message that counts, not the number of ums and ahs you use. There are some organizations that want to create robot speakers. They want you to sacrifice your personality in order to speak perfectly. But I want to let you know that you can be yourself and a sensational speaker. So, if you want to be a speaker that connects and engages authentically through stories, a speaker that gives value as well as a great performance, then welcome home. Hey there, lovely to have you listening to the show again. And I really do appreciate you choosing the speaking club to listen to when there's so much choice out there. And I also want to take a second to say a special thank you to Saskip from Australia for rating the Speaking Club five stars on iTunes and the best podcast ever. You made my day. And do get in touch with me because I'll send you over an ebook copy of my book, Cracking Speech Mate, How to Use Humour to Make You an Amazing Speaker, which apparently is not the right title for the US. But I hope you're Australian. Hopefully Cracking Speech Mate will resonate with you. And I don't see why it wasn't resonate with, with people in America. Let me know people in America uh, and Canada and so on if that title resonates with you. Anyway, there we go. If you are a regular listener and you haven't yet left a review, it would be fab if you could take two minutes and share what you think about the show over at www.ratethispodcast.com slash TSC. I really appreciate it if you do that. Okay, so... I hope you're well, by the way. I haven't said that, but I do hope you're well. Okay, so on to today's show. I'm excited for you to meet Lexa Wokasin. Lexa has had a career in marketing and communication for 17 years. And during that time, in addition to juggling the demands of her job, she's been keeping a big secret. Worried about what it would mean for her career should it come out, she's struggled alone to find workarounds and tools that will enable her to fulfil her potential despite being at a significant disadvantage to her peers. Recently, Lexa came on my Snackable Story Challenge and over the course of five days, she found that she had a powerful message to share. You see, Lexa is dyslexic and she wants to tell her story so that other people in the same situation don't have to hide away and cope on their own just like she did. And when I heard about her journey and the potential her story had for showing other people with dyslexia that speaking and storytelling are possible for them, I knew I had to have her on the show. So enough from me, let's hear from her right now. Welcome to the Speaking Club, Lexa Wilkerson. Hello, it's so nice to join you. I know. Who'd have thought a few weeks back we'd be here? I'm really chuffed to bits that you're you're on the show and that you're going to be sharing your story because I think it's going to help a lot of people. So, first question: Tell me about what you do today. So I'm a um, full-time working mum, and I absolutely love my job. I really enjoy what I do. So I've been lucky enough to have a career in marketing that has spanned from working with torpedoes to uh, working at a university through to what I do now which is um, market and communicate things to do with traffic and transport in Portsmouth for Portsmouth City Council and no two days are the same and I just love it. That's fantastic it's nice to see someone so passionate about what they're doing and and you know making a difference because of that so now that you've been doing this job or you've been in marketing for about 17 years both public and private sector as you said but during that time 
there's something that you've kept hidden, isn't there? And I wonder if you could tell me about that and why you kept it a secret. First of all, I'd like to say, I think it's really ironic that I kept this a secret because the start of my life, I passionately wanted to know that I was dyslexic. And with my mum's support, we talked to lots of teachers because they picked up on it. And over the years, it just kind of got to the point where it was like, I'll give up. You know, nobody's actually going to test me. And at that point, it was there was less known about it, I suppose. And there's a stigma around it. And so it wasn't until my final year of my degree that I was it was a drunken night out. Um, I was with a boyfriend and we were we were chatting and he was talking about his dyslexia. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I can relate to that. I can relate to that. And it just came up again. So in that drunken conversation, he said, right, I challenge you to go and talk to somebody at the university and get tested. I did. And that is the point that I found out I was dyslexic and I got 15 minutes extra per hour in my exams and it was fantastic. But then I went into the world of work and that was the point where it was you get your when you apply for a job and, and you go through the processes that tick box. Have you got a disability? And then you have to state what you've got. Well, is dys dyslexia really a disability? <sighs> At that point, I was just like, right, oh, my goodness, this is one of these things I'm going to have to cover up because how am I going to launch into a career in marketing and gain all the skills that I need And if I'm saying I'm dyslexic? Because there's such a stigma, especially at that point in time, and I think there still is to some extent, about the fact that you can't read, you can't write, you can't do numbers, whatever the aspect is for you, there's that stigma. So I kept it hidden and I kept that as a deep, dark secret inside. Gosh, so there's some things I want to unpick there. So so why couldn't they diagnose you till your final year? And that must have meant that all through your academic career, you were disadvantaged. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I managed to do well in my GCSEs. I did all right in my GCSEs and I got really, really good results in my A-levels. I would have had a percentage increase in my results if I'd been diagnosed. I would have had three Bs, not three Cs. That's the amount of difference it would have made to me. But I wouldn't have gone to the university that I did. So I guess everything happens for a reason. But I kind of, yeah, we never got um, tested because um, I was able to cover it up. I was able to do things to work around it to just do enough to get so that when I, I was talking to the people who are specialists in that area, they were like, no, you're too borderline. Everything came back to the fact I was borderline. Mm. But when I was writing, I was attaching the end of my sentences to the beginning of sentences. B's and D's were back to front. Um, so I'd write my own name, Lexa, with my E back to front. And my A back to front sometimes. L and X were fine, but E and A were tricky. So I couldn't even write my own name for a very long time correctly. But still, it wasn't picked up because it wasn't severe enough. And I'd learned tricks and tips to get around it. And if it wasn't for my mum spending hours on things like fractions, then with lots of pieces of paper all over the floor to teach me in a way that I could connect with, I wouldn't understand fractions today um, and maths wouldn't be my strong point as well. So she really kind of got you through it. I mean, it sounds like you yeah. you were quite resourceful on your own. And I, and later on, I want to talk about some of the things because it may be relevant for, for other people listening. But yeah. um, that's amazing. And so, so you entered the world of work. What sort of lengths did you go to to keep it hidden? And, you know, were you struggling at any point in your job? I suppose I just put it in this little box with a little shiny bow on it and filed it away in my brain and just went, this is not real. This is not a thing. And I kept it really hidden from myself, even though I would be very anxious about doing things. But I've been brought up to go for it, tackle it head on and persevere and 
focus and challenge yourself and keep going. And that's what I did. I just kept working at it. So it was kind of things like um, writing, uh, well, writing any content, staring at a blank page would take me right back to when I was eight. And I was a young child who was having a lovely time at school. But then I was given by this teacher this piece of paper, which was a blank sheet in the shape of a, a cottage. And that blank sheet of paper, I was so excited. I thought I was going to draw a beautiful picture of this house. But instead, I wasn't doing that at all. I was going to have to write my first story. And it was sentence after sentence she was supposed to write. And the people next to me were writing sentences. They were writing pages of this horrible sheet of paper. For me, it was agony. It was pain. And there was so much fear. And now, every, well, roll forward. And still to this day, a blank sheet of paper still does that to me. It sets that fear, that, that scared feeling inside me just erupts. And I used to cover it up by just putting in the extra hours and just really persevering. So I'd work longer. I'd avoid doing things if there was another way or another opportunity that I could take instead of doing that one. Um, I really strongly remember a manager also um, saying, read that out loud to me because he wanted to check how it fl how something flowed and that fear that went through me at that point when he asked me to read it out loud because that was another area that I really struggled with at that point because mm. each of these things along the way I've learned techniques and ways to overcome them or you know find alternative routes but at that point absolute fear and dread so there was a lot of anxiety inside me when I was approaching these activities but I loved the creativity of working in marketing. I could see the potential for things. So I just kept going, but keeping it locked inside with a lot of shame. There was a lot of shame that surrounded the fact that I was this dyslexic person. Now, that's interesting because you mentioned about stigma. So was that stigma because people were making assumptions about what you were capable of or that they were assuming? Because I think at some point, wasn't there some people said that if you're dyslexic, you weren't intelligent or, you know, what sort of stigma did you encounter or did you think that you would encounter? I think for me, it was more about what I thought I would encounter and what I heard people saying around me. It was never directed at me because I always hid it. Nobody knew. Um it, it was just my my big secret. Um, but I suppose it was that there was a lot of, you know, you went into the special room at school because you were special. You had issues. You had problems. You weren't very clever. You weren't very bright. And all those sorts of things that were around you. And I suppose one one thing that happened in the office one time that really resonates and just cut me like a knife was we were all having kind of banter in the office we were all just chatting and um, all of a sudden somebody just went oh I've got an email and at that point I was like oh what's the email about what what's the thing that you know because I'm working in marketing office and media you think oh it's something you know there's there's a crisis going on somebody's got to deal with it what is it so we're all intrigued and what he said was I've got an email from that guy who's dyslexic. It makes no sense at all. What is he on about? How on earth can somebody get into that job with being dyslexic? You can't work in that kind of job. You can't communicate. You don't know what you're doing. That cut me. And that inside was just reinforcement of how bad it was. And it subsequently took me time to... That was actually also a triggering point for change. That, that was tough to hear. So how did hiding this and then that that thing happening, how, how were you feeling inside? I mean, that particularly must have shaken your confidence, but but keeping this part, of, I mean, it, it's not your identity. You don't want to be defined by it, but nevertheless, it is something that you have and hiding that must yeah. have taken its toll. 
It certainly did. And it knocked my confidence. It really knocked my confidence. And it just, when other things happen, it's another layer that makes everything a lot harder and a lot worse. Mm. Um, and at that point, it you know, it's just the fear of being able to apply for jobs as well. And what I can and can't apply for, what they're going to do in the interview, is there going to be a timed exercise? Because time and having that needing that processing time was really important to me so that that was another aspect of it that yeah inside it just it held me back I was going to say did it affect the way you approached your career and it sounds like it did do you do you feel like you were slowed down that you you would be further along or are there jobs that you really really wanted that you didn't you didn't go for I don't know because life happens yeah. And there's lots of different things that happen along the way. I wouldn't like to specifically say that that specifically stopped me from going for a certain job, but it certainly gave me a lot more fear in applying for jobs. And I struggle to answer that because I've always grabbed every challenge as it comes along and I've run at everything and I've tackled it head on. And there's lots of things in life that hold you back and I wouldn't like to nail it on the fact that it was dyslexia. Um, but I suppose if I was totally honest, it would come back to the fact of my, it held me back in terms of confidence mm. and confidence to take up the challenge because I had this noose around my neck, this thing, this thing that defined me without defining me. Mm because I wouldn't share it it was my secret and always having a secret like that I feel holds you back yeah and I mean the thing is what I loved about you because I want to talk about how we met in a little bit but you know you have got a positive attitude you've got a lovely sunny personality and I I think you brighten up a room you know you've got a lovely smile and you come across as very resilient you know, I think there's a lot of people that maybe wouldn't have been able to cope in the same way, you know, whether that's down to your mum or just things that you've developed over the years. But it's it's very impressive. So over the years, has your attitude towards hiding it changed? And if so, why? Oh, my goodness, it's completely changed. To start off with, my mum and dad have just totally encouraged me to take everything you know, head on. But I've seen my mum struggle with it over the years. And she's not taken manager positions. She could have, you know, she could have been an amazing and career driven lady, but she's held herself back because of it. I was never going to do that. But the changing point for me was I took part in a springboard course. Um, it's targeted at women. It's about um, developing confidence and things like that. And on that course, we were talking about the things that held you back. And in front of a room full of women, I decided I was going to stand up and share that I was dyslexic. I worked with some of these women, so they they knew me in a work setting. But I got the courage to share my story and say that every day I faced writing content with fear. And do you know what happens? They all just clapped. Oh, that's brilliant. And they all were supportive. Nobody pointed a finger. Nobody questioned who I was. Nobody questioned why I was doing marketing. They all turned around and said, can't believe that you do marketing and have dyslexia. But we wouldn't know. We wouldn't know at all. So that was the first point that changed everything for me that was about eight years ago okay. so it was only eight years ago so until that point I'd just been living with it and finding different ways to you know get around it work differently um, but eight years ago I that's the first time I shared my story and then after that I then I got a new job um, and I worked with a career coach Sarah Robbins Hobden she was brilliant. She'd actually been running the course that I was doing before. And one of my things in my head was, but you can't do that. You're dyslexic. And that was a story that I was telling myself, even though, and I, I 
find this quite quite ironic after doing the um uh the challenge with you was when I was eight I did my English speaking board um qualification in public speaking and I got a distinction I was the only girl in my class to get a distinction but somehow everything else that kind of came after that then started pulling me back from public speaking but in terms of this sharing my story with dyslexia with more people from talking to my career coach she said well how about you start sharing your story and this is where the idea came from for me in terms of sharing my experience and sharing it with others so I told my boss and again he said he didn't realize and he said it doesn't make any difference to me you're good at your job and now I've also um, the people that work for me they know because you have good days and bad days and on those bad days yeah my writing sometimes I can see it myself I look back and I go what on earth did I write then and it's having that person to proofread and check and that support in place so my team know and I support them with their copy editing because that's an important part of my job but then they do the same with my material so we get better together so we actually Mm. all learn and grow as well so it's been quite a journey going from having something totally hidden to that eight years ago sharing my story for the first time and now being here with you (laughs) and sharing my story on a podcast that's brilliant that's brilliant so can you share some of the tools and things that you've done that you think might help other people with dyslexia um, I guess it's horses for courses as well. You know, it may yeah. work, it may not. It's, everyone's yeah. an individual, but some of the things that you've come up with that might help someone else. Absolutely. Because, you know, like you say, everybody's different, um, but it's about making those connections in your in your brain and the connections that work for you. So, for example, for my issue with a, a white sheet of paper, I feel that when I'm using a Word document, but if I go into an email, I don't feel that anxiety at all because there's my footer at the bottom. So it doesn't feel like a white piece of paper in the same way. Um, And also using bullet points. If I just need to start getting it out of my head, use bullet points or just do a spider diagram. It's whatever works at that point in time that I use to get that initial initial escape from the white sheet of paper like I was saying before about the the cottage sheet of paper and taking it back to that getting rid of that I don't need that it's finding another way so they're the ways that I found so that was bullet points using emails um, but finding the document type that works Um, also uh, something that I found very useful is doing pre-flight checks. So I watched, um, I think I was watching a program about pilots and how they do their pre-flight checks and how they're the regular, they're the same every time. But having just that checklist of things. So for me, I might be sending um, a marketing bulletin out to a number of people, but making sure it's BCC'd, making sure it's it's got the right footer, the right header, the right from address but taking it back to the basic steps because that's what's um, where I've made mistakes in the past and that just having those pre-flight checks gives me that security as well um, when I'm under pressure because sometimes under pressure is when I find dyslexia rears its head a bit more sometimes because I'm trying to get through things fast. So that's one of the other coping mechanisms that I've used just to make sure I know I'm doing a good job whenever I can be. And I guess well, we haven't really covered this. I've made an assumption that people actually know what dyslexia is. But if, you know, in terms of, you know, I guess the dictionary definition of how, what this is and how it affects most people, what would that be? Um, so dyslexia um, quite often affects your um, ability to spell, to write, to your processing time um it can be word blindness so for me going back to the white sheet of paper 
quite often when reading on white sheets of paper, um, which often textbooks for learning are, the words move or you can't see all of them. So for me, certainly as I was growing up, that was the words were missing. So it can take a lot of different shapes and forms. Um, and then putting the basic one, which happens early on as you're learning to write, is the letters back to front. So B's and D's, P's and Q's, um, and learning that they are back to front and numbers ran the wrong way as well. And I also read, I think, that there's it does have an effect on speaking for some people as well and being able yeah. to find the right words. Is that something you've experienced? So that is definitely sometimes I'll trip over my words or the wrong words will come out in the wrong order um, or that just total freezing and nothing comes out because my brain just shuts down and I can't articulate anything at all. Okay. Well, you're doing amazing, you know, today and, you know, you are very articulate and it's, it's very, you know, it's, you, you haven't got any issues as far as I can see, but we, we talked about that before. Um, so I, I wanted to ask you, if you were talking to yourself, and I, I guess originally I thought about this as you being a youngster, but I, it sounds like it was more when you entered the world of work that it really started to become an issue for you. Yeah. Um, what would you say to yourself looking back from today? Well, it's interesting because I'm facing the same with my son um, and seeing his anxiety and his fear. So in terms of what I'd say, what I say to my son is about encouraging him to focus on the things that he enjoys, because by going focusing on the things that he enjoys, like science and geography, the words then flow or they come out more easily. It's the subjects when it's, I don't know, he was struggling with writing about Romans and Roman history. Um, and, you know, he'd spent ages over one sentence. And it's just finding what you enjoy and then making the most of that. Do what you need to do yeah. um, to get by on the other bits as much as you can. But just enjoy the bits that you really enjoy because you'll learn more through enjoying the bits you enjoy. But I have to say, he's got a lot of anxiety and um, I've just worked with Paloma um, and getting him screened. And she's so screening for dyslexia is her business. And she is doing an amazing job in terms of sharing um, knowledge and information over Facebook and her Facebook group and just offering knowledge to parents because I've been through it. But I can see my son struggling as well. And that's that's it's really hard. It, it doesn't become any easier um, because I know that from my experience, and this is what I tell myself when I was going into my career, is that embrace it. This is your superpower. Dyslexia is your superpower that will actually make you different from the rest, but in a positive way, in a way because we've talked about the difficulties, but in terms of the things that it helps you with, it improves strategic thinking. It improves problem solving because you can connect the dots in a different ways. Sometimes you're connecting it faster than other people, which can be frustrating because you want to be there and everybody's back there. But then it's about taking people on that journey and how you take people on the journey with you. So actually, it can make you different and better in a different way. And it's a superpower to embrace. And you want more employers, don't you, to, to, have, you know, to embrace dyslexia and having, you know, I guess it, you know, it's having that diversity in your workforce and all the extra benefits that, you know, that having someone with dyslexia can bring, which is what you're kind of highlighting there, isn't it? Totally. It just, it can make such a difference. If you've got a dyslexic person in your team, you're on to a winner because they'll be able to connect the dots for you probably faster than you can. And it can really make a difference, especially if you embrace the skill set that comes with dyslexia. Brilliant. Now, you did my snackable story challenge. I did. Um, I did. <laughs> were you nervous about yeah. doing it? <laughs> yes. Oh my God, I was terrified. 
I was absolutely terrified. I wasn't sure whether I was actually going to turn up. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, cool. So why did you sign up for it? And what did you expect to get out of it? What did you want to get out of it? Right. So, so there was, bless her, the balance coach had a fantastic piece of content on Facebook that I watched her video um, and she she sucked me in and I thought oh, this is very good so I did her boot camp and I went through her boot camp and then at the end she offered more I was like oh I'm really sucked in now and this time I had to pay for it and I'm I'm a bit screwed I've got a bit of Scottish blood in me and I didn't want to part with my money and I actually messaged her and I said I'm in marketing I can see what you've done to me. I can see the marketing approach you've taken. And it's brilliant. Absolutely. Second to none. But is this real? And I kind of, I thought, oh, should I really be saying this? But I did. And I, I asked her the question. She came back and she said, well, let's talk about it. I'll share my story. Um, and that authenticity led me to think, I want to know more about this. You know, I've added to my training along the way, you know, my degree was pre, well, email was just coming in when I did my degree. So there was no social media and things like that. So I've added to things along the way. And this was the bit that I saw working so well for businesses on Facebook. And I thought, how can I apply that to what I do in my job? So I, I took a leap of faith and I went, right, I believe in the story that you're telling me. I've been with a balance coach. I've believed in her story and I connected with her. I was connecting with what I was seeing online from your content. So I thought, right, let's give this a go. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you did. And, and so I guess, how did you find the experience of doing the challenge and what did you actually get out of it? So... I oh, I was really pleased to be on there because the first thing was you provided time and space in the course, which I needed to be able to digest what was going on and um, learn as I went. Because if it's all squashed in too tight, I my learning processes don't work. So it was enough time to think about what I'd learn and then carry out the challenge. But it was the first story catcher bit. And as I was capturing my stories, I'd originally joined to take part in finding out about how this would work for me in a work scenario. But whilst doing story capture, I kind of, there was a light bulb moment. And I thought back to what I'd been doing with my career coach and how I wanted to tell my story of dyslexia so that I could help other people share my story and maybe, you know, give others a chance to learn more. And so that's when it all changed for me. And it became about learning how to tell my story. Yeah, and you, you embraced it, didn't you? It was tough at times for you, though, wasn't it? It was really difficult. I remember one of the sessions we had on Zoom and and that's the invaluable, the, the most valuable part of the um, training is that, is that coaching and is that time with you to understand and learn more? Because it's not just send you off and do it and give you a little bit of feedback. It's really kind of drilling down into helping the individual and I could learn from others. But for me, it was painful. It I was terrified and I, I, I can remember just being silent and not knowing how to start telling my story. Um, but with your encouragement and support along the way, it kind of it really kind of took me on that that journey of how I could actually be more authentic. And, mm. and it's not about telling the story in a very set formulaic way in terms of kind of, I don't know, I suppose being about, about another topic. It's about making it personal and about me. So it makes it more believable um, mm. and draws the audience in. And that, yeah, it's it's made a huge difference for me already. Fantastic, and and I think you told me that 
obviously it's helping you get your story out there but you also had some impact at work as well with colleagues definitely um I had a meeting that um, had not gone the best of meetings and there was a bit of conflict, shall we say. And actually, I thought, right, I'll leave it a couple of weeks and I brought everybody back together. But what I prepared was a briefing. Um, And I don't know about you, but certainly with some Zoom calls where I've got multiple people and Teams calls, not everybody is 100% in the meeting. They are generally doing emails and a bit distracted um, or checking their next shopping delivery. So it was kind of thinking about what I'd learned from you in terms of snackable content and also just paring my content down, but sharing a story that everybody could understand to get us all on the same page, Mm. but doing it in a way that was authentic to me, brought out my character um, and wasn't just about this thing that we were doing, but it was, it was real. And people were looking up from doing their emails. It was great. It was, I just, I just loved it. I had such a buzz after that meeting because at the end of that meeting, I knew everybody was all in. We were all in the same page and going forward, we were going to work as a team, not a massive clash because we were all coming from different directions. And we've consequently actually had um, one, I think it was first, no, it's second meeting was this week. We're all on the same page. We're working together and we're going to deliver what we need to deliver. It's, it's great. Oh, that's fantastic. It's so nice to hear. And I'm so glad you you did it and put yourself out there, you know, despite all the, the sort of fear and anxiety you had up front and that you've got great results uh, for it. So has it shown you new possibilities for yourself? I mean, could we be seeing Lexa doing a TEDx talk on this at some point? You'd, you'd, well, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. This is the start of the journey. Um, and I definitely it's going to be a part of my career for the future it's certainly going to be um you know there's I would like to do more interviews and opportunities to share my story so other people can understand more and the the word goes out more um but exactly how I nuance that and direct it I'm still in development thinking on that, but I would certainly like to support other people who are, so like Paloma that I mentioned earlier in terms of her business and what she's doing in supporting people with getting screenings. I'd like to do, you know, more work with her if possible to, to support her, her business, which helps people, which would have made such a difference to my life if I'd had that support when I was young and that kind of and that person was there to ask questions from and uh, get advice along the way. Um, it's been great for me with my son. Um, and that's what I'd like to help him and, and develop. But yeah, we'll see. I'm first of all, though, in terms of telling stories and sharing them, I, apart from the dyslexia side of things, I'm going to make a huge difference in Portsmouth with air quality and creating cleaner air as well in terms of how we take people on that journey to also help us to make a difference because it takes everybody to create cleaner air, not just one person or one organisation. That's amazing. And just just in case people want to look Paloma up, what's what's Paloma's surname and what's the name of the group? Are you able to share that? So Paloma Ford um, has a business called Screening for Dyslexia. Um, It can be found both on Facebook um, and also she's got a website where there's more information, but her Facebook page is brilliant and it just pops up little things, you know, like, for example, I just saw on there today, you know, all the amazing people that had dyslexia, Einstein, um, Tom Cruise, my idol when I was young um, and many other actors and people that have made such a big difference. Richard Branson, that's the other name I was looking for in my head. See, sometimes these little things, they take a little while to percolate out, but they come. So they've all made a difference and little things like that pop up, which remind you why dyslexia is such a superpower. 
That's fantastic. Now, before I let you go, before I share more about how people can get in contact with you, I have some standard questions, which I ask everyone. Okay, so um, the first question, and, you know, so far, I guess this is, what has speaking done for you? Recently, it has given me the confidence to A, share my story, and B, that I can take people on the journey with me at work and work collaboratively. That's fantastic. Good. And this is a question I ask everyone. It may, you may have something, you may not. Have you had a bad speaking experience, a bad gig where you've gone, oh my goodness, that was terrible. I wish I don't, don't want to do that again. Has that ever happened or have you been lucky enough to avoid that? Um, I probably blotted it out of my mind. Let me just... <laughs> Oh, I've got it. <laughs> so um, when I was a child, um, I was um, I was in uh, the Wizard of Oz play and I was the Wicked Witch of the West and I had this green dress and I had to do a magic trick and I was all fingers and thumbs and I had these kind of balls and things like that and they had to connect and pop in and out and I had to show them off to the audience. They went everywhere. <laughs> it got a lot of laughter but it wasn't what it was meant to be I was mortified but in hindsight that that's that was my major disaster in terms of a speaking uh, in terms of a, a presenting type uh, activity as a child but since then I've kind of avoided it I've done present presenting it um uh my mum and dad's silver wedding anniversary, I did a, a speech, um, although maybe some of the audience fell asleep part way through, but I did make my mum cry. So we're all good. We, we, I made my mum cry. That's always a winner. That's brilliant. That's excellent. Cool. Okay. Next question. What's the book that's had most impact on your life and why? Which one? It, um, Lex is reaching behind her. I'm just narrating here. Just trying to find the book, the name <laughs> of the book and the author. Right. So it's, um, it's some people know him as the Sumo Guy by Paul McGee. Oh, Shut yes, up and move book. on. Yes. That amazing book. One of the things he says in there is about um, uh, being more hippopotamus. So when the when things don't go right, you can wallow. And spending a little time wallowing is not a bad thing because you're always going to come out of that river because a hippopotamus always has to come out. You'll come out, but you just need to come out at the time that's right for you. That really resonates with me. That's brilliant. Cool. I like that. And we'll put a link in the show notes to that book. And I've got that in my shelf somewhere in storage at the moment, unfortunately. Um, but uh, OK, next question. What's the best bit of business advice you've had and why? Cool, you're certainly taxing me with the questions here. The business advice. A bit of business advice that I had that's connected with my dyslexia is that when I write things, what I write at the end should be at the beginning. So for me, I write things and now... I just write them as they come out of my head. And quite often I take the end of my email and put it at the beginning because that's <laughs> where it should be. So in terms of if anybody thinks they're writing things in the wrong order, don't worry about it. It can be changed. You just shift it around. However it comes out of your brain, let it. Don't be beholden to having to have an introduction, having to have the information how to at the end because you can shift it around and that's really interesting because I remember on the challenge when I was talking to you guys about the creator and the critic and when you when you're being creative how you that voice in your head you know holds you back and it sounds like that's that's a similar thing just let it come out you know and and actually Stephen Covey says start with the end in mind so you're probably doing it the right way to be fair and, and everyone yeah. else is wrong <laughs> excellent okay and last question then if you could have any mentor and they can be alive or dead fictional or non-fictional who would you choose and why that's a really tough one 
a lot of people struggle with narrowing this one down. Yeah. There's a lot of people that have been great mentors to me along the way in my life already. You know, my grandfather, um, he passed away just before the pandemic. And, you know, his advice was always don't wait for what's around the corner. Grab it now. Great bit of advice. Well, he Um, can be your mentor if that's, you know, it's completely fine. If, you know, he sounds like a, quite a wise person. He was certainly wise and he was a fighter pilot during the Second World War and the missions that he went on as a fighter pilot. He never um, fought in an air battle. Um, he did drop bombs, um, but he, you know, he loved his life as a pilot and he changed his career so many times. And he was he's always been my inspiration to go and and find new challenges. And he always encouraged me as a child, whatever I did. And we had such fun together. Um, and he always liked to hear about my journey and my career and working within um, the defense industry um, um, because he'd been uh, also working in the dockyard himself and things like that. So I think having his wise words as a mentor to lead me in my future direction and what I do next he would be so proud to be hearing this I can just imagine him now um, giving me words of confidence and to share who I am and not deny who I am and embrace my superpower that's brilliant oh he's checking me out (laughs) he sounds like the the perfect mentor so good oh listen Lexa thank you so much for sharing your story for being vulnerable, for being, you know, open. And um, it's it's been lovely working with you and the challenge and, and speaking to you outside of that. And, I, you know, I know you're going to be an inspiration yourself to lots of people uh, in, in your next steps. So if people want to connect with you, um, where's the best place for them to go and find you? They can find me on LinkedIn. There is only one of me. In well, other than my mum and dad, there's only three of us in the UK. You can definitely find me on Facebook. Brilliant. <laughs> on, so on, to, sorry, LinkedIn. On LinkedIn. Cool. You can definitely well, find will, me on LinkedIn. Perfect. And I will put a link in the show notes to to your profile as well. So is is there anything else that you feel you you need to say to call this interview complete, or do you think we've covered it all? I think it's just one thing and that is that for a long time in my life I thought dyslexia was my weakness and it controlled me and it defined me it's now my super power and it controls me and it defines me but in a way for good and positivity and just loving and enjoying life being me and I hope that others can do that and it doesn't hold them back and it let, and they embrace it because as soon as you fight it, it can be a scary place and a place of anxiety, but there's lots of help out there and there's lots of support out there and reach out and get it and it will be okay and you can find a way that suits you. Brilliant. That's lovely. Well, listen, thank you so much again and, um, keep in contact and uh, I'll look forward to seeing what you get up to next. (laughs) I can't wait to share. Oh, got choked up there when Lexa was talking about her grandpa. It must have been awful for her, worrying every day about getting found out. And what struck me when I was working with her in the Snackable Story Challenge was how positive she was. And, you know, she struggled a bit uh, and you know, we needed to give her some handholding and so on, and, and challenge her actually, and push her to um, to do it at times. But she, I'm sure, it's that positivity, that attitude that has helped her stay resilient and overcome the challenges she's had to face. She she perseveres and she takes action, which is brilliant. And I'm pretty sure that it won't be long until she's up on stage sharing her story at TEDx or wherever. And it's nice to have been a part of that journey. So go and connect with her on LinkedIn and let her know if 
her story helped you in any way. And uh, so I worked with Lexa one-to-one in a hot speak session on the Snackable Story Challenge. But you can also work with me in the same way in my group coaching membership, the Speaking Club Live. And I'm in that group twice a week coaching live and you get to practice your speaking skills and test your content in front of me and the other Speaking Club members. We've got people working on webinars, pitches, uh, workshops, Father of the Bride speech at the moment as well, believe it or not. So, um, So you can come along to that and nail your messaging and your delivery. So why don't you come and try it out for a month? Go and find out more at saraharcher.co.uk slash club and uh, you'll get lots of info about it there. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll be back soon to share more insights, tips and tools about growing your audience and business with speaking, storytelling and humour. And in the meantime, don't you forget to go out, grab your life by the nuts and get cracking. Bye-bye. Getting to practice your speaking in front of an audience is a crucial part of testing your message and developing your skills and experience as a speaker. Yet opportunities to do this in the right environment can be hard to find. Add in the chance to get expert feedback and coaching on your content structure and delivery and the opportunities are even fewer. But that's what you'll get as a member of the Speaking Club Live. Each week we'll be focusing on a different aspect of business speaking from pitching to presenting to videos and lives. There'll be hot speak slots and you'll get the chance to practice sharing your message, your storytelling, your humour and all the different aspects of speaking in front of me and other members. Then you'll get feedback and coaching from me and your peers so that you're moving forward on your speaking journey with accountability and support. If you'd like to find out more about how you can become a member of the Speaking Club Live so that you can build your confidence, improve your delivery and become a better speaker, then go to saraharcher.co.uk slash club now.